Hey, hey, how are you? I am good. So, uh, what's uh, floating your boat? What's floating my boat? I just came back from the Van Gogh exhibition at the Tate Britain in London. So, um, Van Gogh in London circa 1880 was floating my boat up until about 10 minutes ago. Um, but there's a lot going on in the world. I mean, um, Bitcoin's back up. Um, Google I.O. focused on privacy last week, which was interesting. Um, Facebook continues to be under attack from all sides. Uh, the Democrats seem to be um, building a very large team to run for president, none of whom seem to be uh, capable of a narrative that could dent Trump. What else? Well, let's pick that apart. Uh, Facebook under attack from all sides? Uh, not clear. Uh, you know, basically, uh, there are two attacks uh, or remedies that are being suggested, one of which, i.e. breakup, doesn't seem to really have any uh, 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 coherence. I mean, yeah. what would the point be of breaking up uh, Facebook? You know, I don't even know where you would place the scalpel and which would be the pieces that would fall on one side and the other. I, so I can't even imagine it. And I don't know what problem that's solving. I, I, I literally don't know what, that, what the problem is that they're trying to solve. It, it, it feels to me as if Facebook um, is just a very successful human, um, human-centric piece of software that people seem to persist in using in large and larger numbers no matter what Mark Zuckerberg does or, 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 or um, is accused of doing. Um, and because it's free, it, it monetizes via selling data about its users to advertisers, which is not especially new. So much as um, I don't particularly like Facebook, I don't particularly object to it either. It's free choice whether you use it or not. And uh, so what would the purpose be of breaking them up in terms of uh, uh, the market or competitors? Uh, who's got uh, skin in this game, if anybody? Well, if you think of the major players, um, well, well, it's a hard question to answer, actually, Steve, because I don't know what breaking up actually means. So, like, well, for example... No, you, know, they're, you know, basically, it, it starts with not allowing them to... Uh, integrate uh, across Instagram, uh, WhatsApp, uh, and Facebook Messenger. Yeah, you know, which uh, for me, it, 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 this is a long story that goes back several years. I remember when they they first acquired um, Instagram, and and I said it's not about Instagram; it's about mobile, and uh, uh, and then they acquired WhatsApp. And again, it was about mobile. And at that time, Facebook was a web-based social network with a centralized social graph. They, with Facebook Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp, they now have a communication-centric infrastructure that they're trying to integrate, which, which frankly would be great for users. I use all three of those services and the fact 
gardens is inconvenient from a human point of view. So integrating them, I don't have a strong objection to. So if, if somebody's and, and, and now Zuckerberg has gone on the record and said the future of Facebook is built around that communication subsystem, not the newsfeed. Um, so so Facebook is moving away from being, let's call it a, a social media property to becoming a messaging communications and networking uh, yes. sub, subsystem or so, or uh, social media is becoming a communication subsystem. Yep, could, fair point. Uh, I think you could just put it that way. But my guess is when that happens, there's no such thing as a news feed. Uh, uh, that, you know, because all the features of what it is will change as well based on what makes sense for that. So Facebook probably is the best company we've ever seen, certainly in my lifetime, that's capable of abandoning the near past and defining the near future. Um, it, 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 it's, it, you know, it's like, um, it's like a lizard that gets rid of its skin uh, whenever, whenever the skin is past its sell-by date, but it's still the same lizard. And uh, so Zuckerberg is, is a master at reinventing for the near future things that um, uh, are starting to get in the way of, of its survival. And I think the acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp were part of that. And this new move is part of that. And in this new move, he's become a privacy advocate, um, almost begging governments to regulate what can and can't be done on a social network, because guess what? He isn't going to be a social network much longer. Or, as I suggest, the uh, notion of a social network is... Uh, being going to change it's morphing into I, I don't think it's going to change as much as morph into a uh you know the ability to be able to define and uh you know in effect subsidize uh, personal networks on the back of commercial networks yeah yeah i think that's right and i also think that how you spend money in a messaging or communications context is well understood due to what WeChat has been doing in China and Line in uh, Japan and Talk in Korea. So in many ways, Facebook is like it did with Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, it's behind the curve. Uh, it's already learned what works from others and it's gonna be pretty easy to implement and, and target advertising isn't doesn't really play much of a role um so all that private information that's today used to target i doubt that goes away entirely by the way but um let's say it gets subordinated into a messaging context um, i think the ways you monetize messaging are different for example payments uh getting a taxi um, um buying food uh all, all, all become part of the experience well, I, you know, the I think the indicator of of where this is actually going to hit the market first is uh, Uber, Lyft, etc., where your identity is tied to your phone, not to your uh, uh, social network, not to your uh, work network. It's 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 basically you have an identity. You attach Apple Pay or uh, some credit card to that 
environment uh, yeah. to validate it, sort of two-factor authentication, basically. And uh, so the decisions that you make are uh, made simpler and easier and allow you to be able to join into an economy that is based on trend and uh, virality and uh, surge pricing and all, all of those things, uh, which uh, do you think that's such a bad world that we're uh, moving into? You know, I think it's fine. I, I, I'm a big believer that products that can command large numbers of users, and in Facebook's case, billions, have to be functional for human beings. Otherwise, they'd be abandoned. So Facebook's success is testifies to uh, the fact that it's nailed some elements of human experience better than anybody else that people want to do. And messaging clearly is a big part of that. So it's the stickiest. It's the the one that's subject to the greatest cost of change. I don't so, know. You know. I don't know that it's the stickiest. Uh, I would push back on that. I mean, it certainly uh, can be very sticky, and that's one of the reasons that I stay away from it as much as I can. Uh, is that it just goes down this sort of uh, lowest common denominator, and I don't mean that in a, neg in a negative way, except in terms of time. Uh, yeah, expenditure. Uh, it goes down that rat hole, and uh, eventually, after I've gotten my fill of how my family's doing and uh, and friends, etc., uh, then uh, I climb out of there as as quickly as I possibly can. So, before we uh, bury uh, Facebook, which uh, I think you and I both uh, agree uh, is not likely, uh, that you know their numbers keep going up, but I don't want to put a, a tie a bow around this neatly uh what about uh what google's doing with uh, nest and uh smart speakers and uh, you know basically consolidating uh their uh home network uh living uh you know privacy uh management you know the, the interesting thing is we know a lot less about what Google is really doing there than we know about what Facebook's doing because Google's been a lot better at marketing the utility of the things you buy like Nest um, or Google Assistant in its various forms um, that, and hasn't really talked about the, the data impact of those things uh, and what it's doing with the data. So we end up having to be suspicious without really knowing. Like, you know, is that speaker listening to me? And if it is, does it know what I'm saying? And if it knows what I'm saying, is it somehow customizing my experience on other Google properties based on that? We don't really know. That's the truth. And at least uh, this week at I.O., they claimed that it is not their intention to leverage any of that data at all. And that what they want to do is what Facebook has already said it wants to do, which is move in a direction where they are trusted arbiters of privacy. So let's see. Um, I, I, I think suspicion is the strongest word you could use with Google rather than you know, spelling out that they're doing something uh, nefarious. 
it, they almost gave themselves a new vision. You know, the, the, the old vision was to organize the world's information to make it useful or, or helpful. So the new Google, starting last week, is all about help. That was the keyword they used everywhere, help. So, you know, Nest helps you control the temperature in your home. The, the, the um, Nest alarm system helps you not get burgled. Um, and uh, the, the Google search engine helps you find what you're looking for. And so this whole world word was help. Now, clearly, as technology gets more intrusive um, in order to help, um, there's a, there's a trade-off because we're allowing the vendor, especially in a cloud world where the data that comes off of these services is, um, is not contained within the devices. It's in the cloud and it has an owner called Google. Um, as that happens, there's a trade-off where trust becomes key because you're letting them in. And so they've redefined their mission as helping to get away from the idea that they're monetizing you, um, which they clearly are monetizing you. Well, so, I mean, everybody's monetizing you. I, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's a convenient marketing by the way, stance on the part of uh, Apple, uh, but that doesn't necessarily uh, define what the operative trend is here. No, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not criticizing Google. I'm just describing what they said, which I think has lots of merits. That said, both Facebook and Google seem to be reacting to uh, Tim Cook's accusation that their business model is you and his business model is um, not you. Um, th therefore, um, Tim is one of those calling for the breakup of Google and Facebook. I don't know if he's actually going for the breakup, but certainly the regulation of Google and Facebook. Um, and they're reacting by trying to jump to the other side of the debate as pro-privacy, um, functional, helpful. Right. But I, I think that, you know, I think that the operative word, as you suggested, is trust. Uh, and that the, uh, the breakup talk, uh, you know, uh, Tim Cook was... You know, not happy about uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, including Apple as too big to fail, or whatever the uh, the frame of of these large companies uh, is. So, yeah. I'm not so so sure that the uh, positioning them as opposite each other uh, is the fundamental here. I think that what's interesting and is emerging is the uh, ability for uh, these disconnected uh, cloud sources to be able to band together in an elastic, probably AI-driven uh, world and produce product that is that essentially... Uh, evangelizes their service to the point that people place their trust, i.e. their uh, subscription in. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I think that is what's happening. So uh, I, I tangentially mentioned the, uh, uh, the Democrats in the political race. What's your uh, current snapshot? 
Well, it looks as if, I think the Democrats collectively believe they've already won the next election. And because of that, uh, they seem, they appear to believe that all they have to be is the not Trump party um, and don't have to actually believe in anything other than things like uh, being more human. Um, they don't have to believe in anything tangible. And I think that's led Biden to the top of the, to the, top of the list um, because he's the most um, likable and bland of all the candidates. Um, I, I don't know if he is the most likable, but certainly that's his marketing persona. Yeah, and I don't know if he's bland. Uh, I yeah. mean, that, that's, the, uh, that's what people would like to, to push back at, on him about, but he seems to be overperforming if that's the case. Yeah, he is, but it's, it's, it's at the level of presentation style, not substantial policy. You know, unlike, say, Bernie Sanders will tell you exactly what policy believes in, for example, when it comes to student loans. Um, that it's very specific what he believes in on health. Um, and I think Biden is less specific and less ideological, which you could argue is a, is a plus because uh, he'd be more inclusive. But given that Trump's base is highly ideological, um, is highly... Um, white working class is, I would argue, intelligent uh, in that they have a strong sense of self-interest. Um, they, they may be wrong in, in uh, their understanding of how to pursue that self-interest, but they certainly have a self-interest that they believe in. And, and so it feels to me like um, um, a non-ideological democratic party with a bunch of candidates who are mainly uh, identified as being not Trump uh, will probably win the next election, but might not. It wouldn't surprise you if they didn't. Um, and if Trump did it again based on the Electoral College, giving, giving him seats in areas where his base is strong and him mostly losing votes in places like California and New York, where he's going to lose anyway, and it doesn't really change how many seats he gets. Um, so Democratic Party, to me, needs um, to believe in something, to tell us what it is, to get young people in particular galvanized, excited, and motivated behind that, and then, should they be elected, actually enact some of the things that they believe in. And well, I'm not uh, seeing that. Well... Let me push back on that a little bit with a counter uh, model, which is that the unification uh, of the uh, the rest of you know everybody but Trump's base is uh, the desire to uh, win, and that uh, that the strength that the certain candidates are showing right now uh, in the Democratic. Uh, you know, landscape are those that have a chance of beating him. And at the moment, Biden has the best chance of beating him. And you can tell that for a, a number of reasons, not the least of which is the Trump uh, it continues to attack him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and very, very few others. Uh, he's uh, his strategy in the 2016 campaign in the primary against the other Republicans was to find a, a catchy 
uh, needle name for uh, each of the candidates and then basically sit back and wait for enough time to pass for uh, his base to become, uh, you know, dominant, which is how he won. Yeah. And in the case of Biden, it's going to be what? Old Joe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think that that really resonates because he's old Donald. He is, but somehow the accuser gets uh, a pass. In yeah, this I, world, I, so. I don't think that it's worked that well. I mean, I, I would have thought that the comparison between this and 1968, Hubert Humphrey, uh, you know, that there's the, the left uh, trying to come up with a coalition uh, sufficient to be able to get the nomination and uh, falling back on the bland candidate uh, who ultimately loses. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that right now Biden's uh, overperforming. He continues to. Uh, yeah. And I don't necessarily think that, uh, I think, first of all, I think it's going to be uh, essentially defined as a, a race uh, within the next 30 days because of the, the first debate, uh, yeah. which will have those that are in the debate with Biden, uh, somebody will bubble up or some buddies will bu bubble up there. Uh, I, basically, I think the race is already defined. You know, there's Buttigieg, there's uh, Elizabeth Warren, who I think is doing the best that she can with uh, uh a presentation style that I don't think is ultimately going to get her the nomination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which also speaks to your uh, issues presentation uh, meme. I, I'm just not, it's not clear to me that uh, if anybody in the country, and by that I mean the, the great middle, uh, is presented with the choice between somebody who's strong on issues uh, or somebody who can beat Trump, I, I think they're going to go for the other guy. Yeah, but we, you know, I think that mis that's the same mistake as in the last election because certainly Hillary, you know, by, by the same criteria, should have been more electable, let's say, than Bernie. Uh, the only thing that they got wrong was they didn't realize that Trump's win was largely in the states that it was in and that Hillary's um, votability in, in, uh, outside of those states wasn't going to be enough to displace uh, Trump's base. Right. And, but and, I mean, and, she was and, running she was running for president of, uh, you know, the popular vote. And yeah. she, she won that, but she lost because that's not what the race is about. So uh, yeah. that's still true. And uh, I think that your assessment about the likelihood of the Democrats winning, uh, I'd say you put it, it sounds like about 55, 45 right now. Uh, yeah, I think they'll most likely win, but they might not. Yeah, but the, the, the difference between that and an analysis based on, you know, let's say somebody comes up and challenges uh, Biden by, uh, you know, basically appealing to the fact that we need to have somebody who's a little bit younger. Uh, you know, what if he has a health scare? I mean, I think that was the most damaging aspect of what happened with uh, uh, the attack on Hillary was became one mm -hmm. about health. 
Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I think that that, uh, along with her reluctance or unwillingness to acknowledge the strengths of her competitor, uh, I think Biden, uh, his approach has not been to uh, ignore uh, Trump's uh, strengths. In fact, I think his his strategy is to highlight it and and basically say, "Okay, uh, who's what do we need here to win? And I, I think that's a, 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 you know, obviously in the 2018 uh, uh, midterms, that was a successful Democratic uh, proposition, which was, you know, you're going to lose health care, basically. Now, uh, obviously, the, uh, the whole impeachment uh, uh, narrative is going to intrude on that. And I would, I'd like to, you know, quickly, because I don't want to get too mired, and I've already used the word Trump. Uh, in violation of my own uh, rules uh, too much. But uh, how do you think the impeachment uh, saga is going to impact on this race? Well, I've always thought that that was a a kind of an irresistible, um, um, you know, shot in your own foot. Um, It clearly... Trump is a bad person who did some bad things, which may or may not be impeachable. That's up to Congress to decide. That's the nature of impeachment. Um, but the, the whole focus on uh, Trump as either criminal or near, near criminal um, and Trump as Russian sidekick, um, it feels to me um, that doesn't dent his support one little bit. Um, uh, in fact, it may even reinforce it because it's seen as, um, as, as what Trump calls fake news. So I, I, don't like, I don't like the focus on impeachment at all. I, I would rather there was a focus on um, what will a democratic government do after the election? Um, so the, let, me, let me push back a little bit on what you just said or started to say, which is uh, there's a sort of counter... Uh, theme developing about impeachment, which is, oh, just go do it. Uh, and I think that that may have sufficient resonance uh, for the rest of the candidates in the, uh, in the Democratic Party uh, to push that up higher in terms of, uh, you know, the, the sort of narrative that it, they'll lose the election if they go after the impeachment. It, to your first point, which is it is not a lock that they're going to win the uh, election to begin with, you know, yeah. so what have they got to lose? It's kind of like the, uh, uh, you know, they have some things to gain potentially, but I'm not so sure. But what do they have to lose? I don't think they have much to lose. So let me just suggest uh, we, we're in the first debate and somebody... Uh, a moderator, whatever, asks Biden, uh, should uh, uh, Trump be impeached? Yes or no? And, 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 and I think the answer has to be no, because, um, you know, impeachment is a political act, let's be clear. It's not like a court of law. It's Congress taking the decision that for whatever reason, they believe the president has crossed some kind of a line 
that means he's no longer competent or should not be president. So it's a political action. Now, the first thing is, you know, given that the houses are divided between Democrats and Republicans, the question arises whether it's even doable. But let's say you could get past that and you think it was doable. What you lose is all the mind share that you would gain. It's the opportunity cost. By filling the media and the narrative full of impeachment-related stuff, you are not talking about what people actually care about, which is their lives. And, uh, All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, the reason that I suggest that this might be a, a, a strong question to ask Biden is, I don't think the answer is no. I think the answer is yes. I think he's going to have to waffle and backtrack which would damage him politically uh, in the debate and also in the, uh, you know, the overall contest. He would yeah. diminish people's thought that he might win. That number two, uh, you know, the, the impeachment discussion can be framed uh, much simpler uh, in the context of, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this. And we want to do it because we want to test whether or not uh, having an impeachment uh, struggle fight is going to get us more of the information that you have stonewalled us on and covered up, mm-hmm. i.e., you know, obstruction of justice. Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer will probably be that they're not going to get much further with the impeachment talk, at which point they can basically say, okay, well, we're going to vote you out. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to slow this down. You know, they have alternatives. That... No, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, Steve. I, I, I think... Um, this is the kind I of... Think of it as, I think of it as Chinese water torture. Uh, there's, there he is, laying on his back, drip, 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 drip. Uh, one Democrat after another, one subpoena after another, one issue after another, um, one testimony after another. And, um, the, the, you know, the popular mind is being shaped by all of those things. And um, uh, it, it, there's a tipping point. At w- uh, you, one would assume they believe there's a tipping point um, at, w- at which uh, time Trump is um, consigned to history as a loser due to the buildup of of all these things. And, um, and then if, as you say, if it doesn't work, we'll just get rid of you anyway. But that, all of that is built on the assumption that getting rid of Trump is the success that we're all looking for. When actually, I think what we're looking for is something to believe in about the future. And, and so the worst case scenario for me is the Democrats win, but don't stand for anything other than not being Trump and not being crooked. Yeah, but they have to win first. If they, I think you've got to be there, there is to a, win it, you know, the old yeah. thing about... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... But there is, this, chance that, there is a chance there is a chance they could do that. All of this future talk is, is, uh, is predicated on whether or not Mark Zuckerberg is going to win or not at the moment. It's, it, it's being personalized around these tech candidates, which... You know, I think Trump is perfectly happy uh, to run on, which is that 
uh, it's the media uh, elites that are uh, putting this country down and will continue his his reign. Uh, you know, he's only got another four years at, at worst. Yeah. So. Yeah, but but he's he's right about that. I mean, if if you were to ask the question, which candidate really understands the crossover of tech audience and and um, agenda setting, um, Trump's use of Twitter eclipses everybody. Um, and and so you you, well, you would assume I, I, I that... push back on that. Uh, there are people that like uh, AOC uh, and uh, Buttigieg, I think, using uh, traditional cable media, that are already proving to be his equals in terms of understanding the mediums. Um, I haven't seen the evidence of that in my own feeds, but. But that, that, I mean, that, again, you... you know, the, the, every comment about uh, Trump's uh, acuity with uh, Twitter is about that same 40 percent that just sits there and doesn't get bigger or smaller. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it ends up being real things. It's uh, not to take us off on a tangent, but huh. um, um, uh, uh, America really is in relative decline vis-a-vis China. That's not fake, that's real. Um, Jobs really are being lost uh, and moved overseas. That's not fake, that's real. Um, Even in tech, where the US is awesome and really good with Silicon Valley, China is rapidly becoming a powerhouse as well, where not just copycat, but actually inventing things and, and, and doing things. What are the, what are so the I, things that they've invented that uh, you think are significant? Well, they're, they're, they're way ahead in, for example, uh, integrated transport systems. I mean, just way ahead. Trains, roads, buses, uh, the digitization of access to almost everything um, through WeChat. WeChat is... 10 years ahead of Facebook in linking people to the things they want. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, if you put uh, Netflix and WeChat uh, in the same uh, analysis that, that that holds up, but go ahead. Uh, I think even, even um, you know, Netflix isn't in China. Um, and I don't know the story behind that. That's obviously a choice. Well, I mean, just but... as a technological framework, they've completely uh, overwhelmed uh, the business models of the main carriers and turned them uh, into ISPs. Yeah, yeah, dumb pipes. Um, I, I agree with that. And China has its Netflix equivalents, by the way. So streaming movies properly licensed from studios exist in China. It's just not through Netflix. Um, so any, anyway, the, the point I'm making is um, the canvas on which Trump and the Democrats sit, that's a common canvas. And, uh, you know, um, Trump blames foreigners and foreign both nations and immigrants. Um, the Democrats, well, Bernie will blame the 1%. 
saying that America could be doing a lot better if the 1% weren't sucking all the value out of it. Um, both, both are fake, by the way. The cause is neither the 1% nor foreign governments and immigrants. The, the, the cause is the normal business of capitalism. That's how capitalism works. The, the, he who was big last will not survive. That's the law of capitalism. And some new guy will come along who innovates later and faster and better and will beat you. That's just, you know, that happened to the British. It happened before uh, to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, you know, and it's now happening to the US. It's just normal. That's capitalism. And we live in a global world where new guys, new, fast, big guys come, come around about every 50 to 100 years. Uh, so, well, you've been, uh, you've been pitching this, uh, you know, China uh, ascendancy for a, a long time. And I, obviously, there are elements of it that are true, but I don't know that it's so uh, uh, impactful and uh, that it's going to supplant uh, the, the, the U.S. or the Western democracies. I, I... Yeah, there, there was a great discussion this week on CNBC with Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Uh, Warren Buffett had his annual conference last week. And they talked about this. And Gates and Buffett, who are clearly strong American proponents, uh, not in any way Trump nationalists, but just rational American capitalists, both expressed how important America's relationship to China was, given that American companies are primarily the winners as China's domestic market grows and the demand for consumer goods grows. Yeah, so American- absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But th- that doesn't mean that, uh, that this is uh, Rome falling and, uh, you know, the Huns uh, ascending. It, it, it's not, it, it, well, it's, it, you know, Rome, Rome still exists. And so Rome falling is a relative concept. And UK, by the way, I'm in London. It's a very modern, very wealthy city despite the British Empire no longer existing. So these things are not absolutes, but the, the relative changes do matter. Yes, and, and, and what I'm saying is that uh, rather than, as we just started this conversation about uh, the sort of conventional wisdom of uh, Facebook, the conventional wisdom of Google, the conventional wisdom of Apple, uh, you know, I think, and then the conventional wisdom of the uh, political situation, uh, it seems to me that we, you and I are more aligned on the idea that this is a, a an evolutionary uh, global uh, market that's emerging than we yes. are on uh, some su- supreme winner. I I find yeah yeah no you're right you're right you're right okay I, I don't even think it's about nations anymore frankly including China um, I I think we it's almost like even the biggest nation which is China is too small compared to the way that tech has globalized so Bitcoin the internet smartphones are all global overlays you know that. That they, they, they are to the world what Apple TV is to the TV networks, an overlay. Um, so the over-the-top global infrastructure is now dominant, and individual players who play there, like Facebook, have more citizens, in quotes, than the government of China has. So we're clearly in a global 
a global, a post-national kind of world where the, the rhetoric about nation, um, it rings true to those who are the victims of globalization, people who lose their jobs as, as, as technology shifts. Um, that's going to become more and more shrill as automation reduces jobs, or, or certain jobs anyway. Um, so I think our job as, as, as advocates for innovation and technology is to show the benefit to the human race of these global trends, not feed the fear about them. Well, you know, the question is, is whether or not that will turn out to be a successful uh, campaign or not, uh, because mm -hmm. you, you have to be in it to win it. And if they, it, so that, to me, that leads right back to a very short summary of the democratic race over the next 30 days, uh, where much of the energy of the campaigns that are already out there is going to get baked in. Uh, so it's the day after the first or the second debate, which is uh, they're on two separate nights. Uh, what do you think the, the smoke is going to clear and look like at that point? Well, I think because it's an internal debate between Democrats, um, it isn't necessarily going to impact the broader narrative about the election. It's, it, it, I think the smoke clearing is going to be, is the future likely to be a young, uh, passionate, possibly female, possibly non-white candidate? Or is the future going to be an aging white man uh, that's a you know, steady hand on the wheel. I hope that's what happens, because I, I think the Democrats need to reinvent who they are through their candidate in the same way that they did with Obama. And that candidate has to stand for something. Um, All right, that so you're, you're, you're ducking my question. Uh, who's going to be, what, who are the top five uh, candidates going to be uh, in uh, after the uh, prime, uh, I, I think it's debate. still going to be it's still going to be Biden number one, probably Mayor Pete and Bernie Sanders vying for two, most likely Mayor Pete. Uh, I think um, um, Elizabeth Warren will be not in the top five. Um, well, she's currently in the top four. I think she'll go down because I think she performs badly. I think her pres—I agree with you. Her presentational style is too—it's um, slightly professorial and slightly finger wagging, and I don't think that works. Okay, you're, um, you're running out of names here. Um, this, do you know why I'm running out of names? It's my Englishness, because I don't care enough about some of them that I forget their names. Yeah, but that's not, not a bad... Uh, the, 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 I think the, 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 um, I'm going to describe the female candidate from California who's uh, gay. Kamala Harris. No, I don't know if she's gay. Kamala Harris. I think she, yeah, I think she is gay. Well, I believe she's gay. I was told she was, and I have no reason to disbelieve the person who told me. So uh, don't take it from me. I, I, I could be wrong. Anyway... I think she'll be in the top five as well. Right. 
Well, I would agree with you about Kamala Harris. I think she's uh, she's strong, but she her her burden is to uh, explain uh, how she can rise post uh, a Biden surge, and uh, I think that that's going to be everybody's burden. Uh, the who who do you think AOC will support? I don't think it matters. Uh, I think the AOC's greatest asset is that she's too young to actually run for president. Yeah, but uh, and, and, and what about the Texas uh, the Texas guy who failed to win? O'Rourke? Yeah, I, I think he's in the descendancy right now. I wouldn't rule him out uh, as a, a player at the debate. But uh, I think that the ones that we should be looking for, to, I, I think that question that I asked uh, Biden uh, is, is the operative one, which is, uh, should uh, Trump be impeached? And, yeah. and, and, you know, there can be all sorts of waffling uh, around the answer to that question, but none of it will help him. Uh, yeah. So I think he needs to basically say, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, because he has a pass, a free pass to say that simply because he's not in the uh, Senate or the House of Representatives. So uh, yeah. it's easy for him to say, as Elizabeth Warren did, uh, that he should be impeached. Yeah, but I think that the the there's a dark horse there, which uh, I, it's more for how he's going to impact overall on the race, which is uh, Swalwell. Uh, I think Swalwell represents. Uh, the uh, possibility of, as you, I think you put it, uh, being nibbled uh, to death by gnats or, or, or you know, the, Ch- yeah. the Chinese water torture, correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he represents uh, the power that uh, everybody but Trump's base has to be able to keep him uh, on the defensive uh, and uh, and and basically, if any one of these things uh, breaks through, it's there's going to be a, a judicial wave of support for the others, uh, for the other investigations. And I think that that's going to be. It's really not about whether he wins uh, the nomination or not. It's about whether, you know, I'm sorry, the uh, election or not. It's about what does he do on the day he leaves office. Mm. And he will be leaving office uh, in four years, if not, or, you know, after Soon the enough. second term. So yeah. uh, I think that, that that is going to play itself out as an undercurrent of, yeah, that's fine, but, you know, we're, we are not helpless. And that energy is what we saw in the midterms. And I think it's going to, uh, it's looking for a champion for that. And I think it's kind of a coalition of people. And honestly, I think it's Biden who's going to be able to ride that into the White House. Well, Biden is certainly the most experienced politician. And I think winning a set of primaries is about strategy and tactics um, based on who you know and what you know. So you'd have to rank him as the most likely winner of the whole thing. I personally would be disappointed if that's true. Um, so I, and, and I think when I feel disappointed if that's true, I'm guessing I'm not the only one. So I'm therefore guessing that there is a lot of space in politics for 
whatever the modern equivalent of the Obama impact is, that is to say some fresh thinking uh, in a young person who captures people's imagination for a set of things that they care about. I think that space still exists. I don't know Swalwell well enough. No, I don't, I'm not talking about Swalwell as the candidate. I'm talking about him as a representative of uh, the kind of energy that you're talking about. And yeah. I, I think that some of the female candidates, uh, particularly Kamala Harris, have staying power, mostly because of her ability to uh, easily in a, uh, a Biden administration be the uh, running mate. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I also think that there's not a small amount of uh, nurturing and mentorship that's going to go on once that debate is done, uh, where people will be mentoring down, i.e. Biden, and people will be mentoring up, i.e. Uh, I'm not sure who that person or persons are. Basically, you know, pushing Biden into not trying to run out the clock the way Hillary tried. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that this is a it's either it's going to be momentous or it's going to descend into the kind of politics that uh, Trump uh, capitalized on. And honestly, I just don't think people have the stomach for, uh, you know, if the Democrats can't show that they know how to figure out how to win, then they won't win. And the last point yeah. I would make is, is that I think Biden uh, has overperformed. And I think looking at that uh, is uh, an interesting way of analyzing what's going on here because he's overperformed by being more aggressive and less middle of the road than people uh, expected. And that bar is not going to be lessened. It's going to be heightened uh, over the, this early part of the campaign. So I think that we're going to see a, a, a quick firming up of this, as I think that we may see in the tech space uh, some resolution of this uh, so-called Facebook nightmare by people realizing that all of these large players have something to offer and that breaking them up is not the answer any more than impeaching Trump is the answer. It's more like, what? how do you take that energy and apply it to get the people who are doing what they're doing, i.e. Zuckerberg, etc., to actually figure out how to be able to improve upon uh, you know, the, the situation in terms of this global economy that we're talking about. So I, I, I think that we, uh, I think it will become a matter of not break up Facebook or break up Google or break up Apple or any of those things. I think it's going to become a, uh, a competitive analysis of how we progress in the move to uh, a global economy. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I don't disagree with that uh, at all. And in fact, I think... I hesitate to make this analogy, but I think that what Facebook represents is a movement of people to use software to engage with each other. Um, 
I think Zuckerberg accidentally created one of the greatest social phenomenon ever. Um, uh, in the same way that Trump activated people to care about their future, even though he did it in a framework that is uh, mistaken and disgusting, actually, and it makes me think about that Michael Moore movie in the film theater somewhere in the Midwest, talking to the people who were Trump voters, what he actually did is give people a way to stand up and say, we're taking control from the politicians. And, and Trump, if anything, was the anti-politician and the people taking control. Now, terrible as Trump is, people taking control is not terrible. There's something to build on there. So the real question in my mind that uh, uh, I think in response to what you just said is, are the tariffs going to work or not? Uh, it's impossible for them to work. They're, they're going to be essentially destructive because... No, no, hang on. Are the tariffs going to work or not? They are not going to work. Uh, would you define success as the tariffs bring uh, China uh, ostensibly or otherwise to the bargaining table? Uh, that can happen, but I think that would have happened anyway without tariffs. I think China's... Yeah, but, it's, but we're talking about uh, Trump wins the election if that occurs, right? I think that's going to occur. I think China, China is not strong enough to not discuss uh, with the nation that was its previous, you know, the incumbent, if you like. Um, so China will discuss anyway and always would have and, and will now. So Ch Trump will get that win in the same way he's getting little wins with North Korea here and there. Uh, not always because it goes wrong sometimes. But um, um, I, think, I think Trump will actually uh, look smart uh, on, on that score. Even though tariffs don't work economically, they can work politically. Yeah, that's what, that's what the question is. So yeah. uh, all that being equal, uh, I, I still think it's a toss-up in terms of the election, but I think that's likely what's going to happen is uh, the tariffs are going to be the, uh, the carrot uh, and the stick uh, at this moment. And it's kind of like the last gasp of, uh, of our old power base giving way to hopefully a, a new joint power base. Yeah, I think that's right. I actually almost wrote a book a few years ago called taking the word China, finishing with the letter A and building the word America out of the letter A in China, uh, Chin, Chin America. And the subtitle was uh, Two Nations, One World. And it was going to be all about how the US and the UK became partners in the UK's relative decline. Therefore, the UK prospered in decline by embracing its replacement. And America and China kind of have to figure out their way of cooperating. That's the future of the world right there. And that's what, that's what Warren Buffett and Gates were saying as well. There's got to be a way that, these, that we work with these guys because um, any, any, any solution that says we don't work with them is disastrous. All right. Well, uh, Keith's here. Thank you so much for uh, 
conversation. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. My battery's almost gone, so that's good timing. Always. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.